for average people, for most people in the world, today is Monday. But for people who understand greatness, for people who are committed to being the best, for people who are committed to getting the most done, today is not Monday. Today is really Jaguars Monday with J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars great Tony Baselli, and CBS Sports senior writer Pete Prisco. I'm the number one draft pick. I'm Tony Baselli. They said fly the planes for me when I hurt my knee. That's Everybody true. else has to fly commercial. That's true. And then uh, I've got a burger named after me. I don't remember little peons like John. That's Moore. not true. I remember you, Pete. Now. To kick off Jaguars Monday, here's J.P. Shadrick. Here we go, the last Jaguars Monday for the 2017 season. J.P. Shadrick along with special guest wow. Jeff Lagerman. Wow, I, I made it. You have arrived, you Jeff. Know, you know, if, if I actually can sit alongside you on a Monday night, doggone it, I've made it. It's just because TV's it. not going I've on. Made it. You it's, guys it's, have an important TV show on Monday night now. So, you know, you're kind of busy... You know, well, talking our, to fans, our, signing autographs, our atmosphere, pizza. Our atmosphere is much better at Mellow Mushroom than it is in this studio. It gets and, a little heated. And looking at Prisco's mug on the TV. <laughs> I'm not going to deny that. But I feel like I've made it now that I can actually sit alongside you for two hours on a Monday night and look. Do I get to look at Pete's mug tonight? No, I think he's on no. the phone line. Why? Pete, Why? what's up, Pete? Why? Because, because i got to get on the media bus for media night here in a second. And, and oh, by the way, Jeff, you're, you were so much better looking when you had the helmet on, by the way. Just say it. <laughs> I know that. For all the people. I know that. You're not, you're not telling me anything I don't know. <laughs> no so doubt. Hey, wait, on, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're actually riding a bus. I thought they had a limo for you. No, that's the other guy that used to be on this show once in a while. Tony oh. Buscelli, he has no limo. You know how that goes. I thought yeah. you were like big time, like you and National Rider, you know, Peter all. King, and you know Mike DeRocco. <laughs> you know the big time guys. You know the big time guys. You know that you guys. No, I ride. I ride a bus. I ride a bus just like everybody else rides a bus. It's the only way to get near the place when on media night. It, Look, this, the sad thing is, is Jeff, you should be here. JP should be here. The team should be there. I mean, they, they gagged away the opportunity to be playing in this game. Yeah, but yeah, you know what? The old shoulda, coulda, woulda's, right, Pete? Reality They've been is, saying that a lot in Jacksonville, haven't they, over hey, the years? Hey, I mean, the reality is if, if, you, make, if you make a play, uh, whether it be offense, defense, or special teams, somewhere in that game, you're there. And so, and I think that that's, I think if there was, if there was one good thing about the loss, is that you know all all phases can can look back at that game and wish they had done something better. And I'm talking, you know, the three phases of the game. Yeah, sure. I'm talking the coaching staff, uh, the players. You know, everybody owns that game. You know, everybody. And that's the type of loss. If you if you're going to have a loss in a game like that, that's how you want it. You don't want it to where everybody's kind of pointing a finger in, a- in one direction, saying. He didn't get it done, or they didn't get it done. And, and this team can't do that from that game. Can't. Jeff, Jeff I want to ask you something, because uh, we talked about this last week, and it, it bothered me a little bit. I didn't like the call on third and 18. Uh, you didn't like the call from a standpoint of you wanted to, let me guess, you wanted them to bring pressure. What the, well, one of the linebackers? I mean, it didn't have to be an all-out pressure. I mean, I know they played at the quarters, and, and, and Church, from what I was told, played it the wrong way. And therefore, there was a lane there for him to throw the football, and the linebackers didn't get enough depth. But 
the way I I would have brought one of those linebackers. That's just me. I would have well, brought one. Well, and here's the thing. Uh, you know, I think Doug Marone, you know, talked about this after the game. He said, you know, you would always do something different because you didn't win. You know, so if you had that opportunity again, the third and eighteen, you would probably do something different. Because it didn't work the first right. time. Now, if he'd have swatted but, it but, away. But you, Jeff Lagerman. I want to put Jeff Lagerman as the defensive coordinator in that exact situation where the pass rushers weren't getting home in the second half because a lot of them were banged up, from what I understand. And would you have brought a guy? You know, I think I think there's there's two ways to look at it. Uh, the first way is is that Tom Brady is is statistically in the analytics on Tom Brady state that he is way better against the blitz than anything else. So that makes you want to say no, that you don't want to blitz him. But at the same token, you realize that he is not a guy that can can buy a lot of time in the pocket or around the pocket. So you would feel pretty confident. But then in the back of your mind, even if you send an extra guy, you sit there and you go, if he just steps up and splits the pocket and finds an extra two seconds – He's gonna he's gonna make his pay. Yeah, you know. So I don't have a problem with with so much with the call as I do, you know, with the execution. Because you know, if, if you look at the play, it's not like Tom Brady has five seconds in the pocket to make that throw on third and eighteen, Pete. I mean, th- this is this throw's made like at three and a half seconds. You know, so uh, I mean, if you can't cover at eighteen yards and with with three point two, three point three, three point four seconds. It's not very good coverage, you know. I mean, so you know the, the players on that one, I think, got to take ownership of that one, you know. In my opinion, yeah, and and, and it was Barry Church from what I understand because I, I went back and watched it again after some of the guys at the Pro Bowl had mentioned it to me, and he, for whatever reason, and Brady open to the right, his right, and whatever reason, Jalen Ramsey's all over that receiver over there. For one reason, he starts taking that run to the to that position, and he got out of position and. As one of the guys told me, one of the safeties told me, he said, that should have been one of the easiest interceptions you'll ever get from standing in that spot in the hash marks. Yeah, well, somebody needed to be there. Uh, Tashawn Gibson, I think, also could have been in better position on that one. But uh, the reality is, third and 18, that shouldn't happen. You know, I mean, no. he, and here's the thing, Pete. You know, even if you've got, you know, a couple guys banged up, because Clay's Campbell had the knee, and Ngakwe had some type of core muscle in- injury to where he couldn't even finish the game. He's standing on the end of the ge- on the sideline at the end of the game, doesn't even have a helmet in his hand because he was so ineffective. You could tell that he was wincing every time that he tried to transfer, you know, power from the lower body to the upper body and finish rushing. He couldn't do it, you know. So, but I mean, isn't this a very deep defensive line group? I mean, don't you have confidence in like seven guys to where if a couple guys can't go? Oh, you should been be able like to get. That, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. so you're not worried about that. You're thinking they can do it. I mean, you got guys inside. I mean, it's the the coverage has just got to be better. And you know, and and because you make a mistake, and because Tom Brady can identify where you make a mistake, which is which makes him so different than everybody else because he can do that consistently. The legend of Tom Brady grows on plays like that. No doubt. Right. No doubt. Let me ask you this: You guys. In the history of, we've always talked about a lot of great plays in the history of Jacksonville. That you know, Jimmy Smith diving in the end zone, Brunel against Denver, Brunel's run against Denver, um, you know, Fred's ninety-yard run against um, Miami. There are three plays that I think that are on the other side of the coin for me. One is 
Willie Clay in the end zone in, in uh, New England in 96. Two is the safety. The franchise wasn't the same for a long, long time after the safety then the free kick returned by Derek Mason. And now I think third and 18 is up there as one of those plays that, when you look back in the history of this franchise, that play, to me, is the play that kept them out of the Super Bowl. They make that play, I think they go to the Super Bowl. Uh, see, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You could. You, there's a few other par- marks in that game you could do that too. The the delay a game before halftime if they get points. But that there, only puts you up. Game. Even if you get a field goal, JP, you go up seventeen three. That doesn't end Tom Brady. Yeah, but see, right. if he get the ball back and score he, again, he's going to have another opportunity. See, yeah. that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, Pete. Is that because you know you, you, everybody's got to take a, a shared responsibility because you you point to that third and eighteen. Okay, well, there's another finger pointing to taking a knee at 55 seconds at the end of the first half. Yeah. Okay, there's another finger pointing to a 40-yard you know, punt down the middle of the field with no hang time. Yeah, with 20-yard okay, return. There's, an, there's yeah. another finger pointing to after you have a timeout, the offense gets a delay of game penalty, and the, the play's blown dead that Mercedes catches a, a pass for first down that would have given you points and maybe go up by 17. I mean, so, I mean, there's a lot of different fingers that can be pointing in different directions. And, and because you have all those fingers, again, I'm going to say this. I mean, that, that's why if, if there was such a good thing as a good loss, this is it. Hey, what's, uh, what's the rest of your week look like in Minneapolis, Pete? Well, I'm sitting on Radio Road doing videos. <laughs> doing videos. <laughs> right in the middle of yeah, the you know, uh, food contest. Video is right? the Wild Wild West now, you know, so we do a lot of, you know, guys come through, you do interviews and stuff. And I talked to, you know, I talked to today, Jeff, for a while. Andre Tippett, one of the more underappreciated guys who's played this game. You know, Great player. The credit he deserves. Hall of Fame yeah. player. Yeah, absolutely. But for some reason, like, he, was, he had 18 and a half sacks one year in an era where they really didn't throw the football as much as they do now. Well, he was LT overshadowed by LT, though. Yep, you know, that's it, exactly. It, that's that's why. funny you said that because I asked him about that. That's exactly why he was overshadowed by LT. And and he didn't do it, you know, year after year after year, like LT did it. And and he didn't win a Super Bowl. I mean, right, that, he had that, bad teams. Big difference. He had bad teams. Yeah, he had bad teams. But he was a great player uh, that uh, had he could, he could pass rush so many different ways, and I think that was what I used to really enjoy watching him is because he had power, he had speed. He had savvy. He had moves. He could do it all, and and that was what made him impressive in my mind, uh, because he was so, you know, Lawrence Taylor had, you know, he was just a freak, you know, Reggie White was just a powerful freak, you know, uh, Kevin Green was kind of a freak in that he had incredible power, but I mean, certain guys had a little bit of an artistic quality to him because they could do it in different ways, and Tippett was one of those guys. He, was, he could drop into coverage, too. He could do a lot of different things. By the way, uh, you know, we always joke around about the giant head that is on top of Baselli's body. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. That melon's about to get bigger because I'm really starting to feel the momentum that he's getting in this. Think so, on the, on the ground there, huh? Pete, you're, you're talking to writers and such. Give, give me, yeah. give me the, the candidates. Okay, and what is it, five get in? Four and then, and then one from the, uh, the old school? Five and one. Five, okay, five, five and one. Okay, out, out of out of so let's let's look at just the five because the one is is for the old timers and Baselli. It'll be a while before he gets into that category. Give me the guys that are that have a real strong chance of being one of the five. Ray Lewis is definite. Lock. He's a definite lock. I think 
Moss and Owens. Me, I put them both in, but they make they might make Moss wait a year and put Owens in, just okay. like they did to Owens last year. That's not fair, but I think they'll do it. Okay, so let's say like one that. of those guys get in. That's two. That's two. Then you start to t- you got to go look at the safety defensive back spot. Now you tell me which one of these guys you think is the best: John Lynch, Brian Dawkins, Ty Law. I mean, you, that's a group of guys back there. That's yeah, it's, that's uh, a tough one right there. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I don't know. I'm, Pete. Also, I'm not sure. I'm not. I, I you know I'm partial to the Jacksonville kid. I think John da- Brian Dawkins is the best of them. But I'm like, but Ty Law's numbers. I mean, he's got the numbers, right? Yeah, but did you ever think he was a Hall? Of, I thought he was in the Hall very good. I never really thought he was. You know what I mean? I never thought he was. You know, it, I don't know. I never thought I, he. Yeah, I, don't I never know. thought he was great. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Then I, I, the I, even Pierce think Pete, you could probably make that case for all three of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think Dawkins was the best of them, though. That's me. I just think, I, I'm, I think not, Dawkins, I'm not going to disagree. I, I think Dawkins. If if Dawkins won Super Bowls, he would be like what we're talking about with Tippett. He would have a lot more respect for the skill set that he had uh, because he could do it all. I mean, he could do it all. See, then you got a then. Oh, Everson Walls is in that group, but this is the first time he's made it this far, so I'm not sure he's going to he's going to get it. Then you got the lineman group. With Tony, mm-hmm. Kevin Mawai, Joe Jacoby, Steve Hutchinson, and Alan Fanica. Yeah, I, I see, think Tony's Fanica and Hutchinson, you know, excellent players. You know, and Tony was there, but you know, the Fanica and Hutchinson's got the longevity to them. But I don't think that Hutchinson was an amazing player, and I, and I think hands down, Hutchinson was a better player than Alan Fanica. Me too. I agree. And I don't even think that that's a debate. Okay. So Hutchinson, guard. Baselli, tackle. Jacoby, tackle. Jacoby was, he played with a great offensive line that had a nickname. But if, if you took Joe Jacoby and if you compared him to Tony Baselli, I'm just talking about as individual players, it's not even close. Seriously. No, it's not. It's not even it's not. close. And here's another one, Jeff. They moved him from left tackle to right tackle because he couldn't handle the speed because rush. Because he couldn't and handle it. got Jim Lachey. And, and, and that's my point, is that, you know, because I played against Joe. I played against Jim Lachey. Jim Lachey, very good football player. Uh, Joe Jacoby, you know, you always knew that you could get his feet screwed up. But Tony Baselli is, is one of the greatest to ever play the game at left tackle, and I played against some really good Hall of Fame players. Uh, Anthony Munoz, uh, the guy in Seattle, the guy in New Orleans, I played against the guy in Baltimore. I played Rose. against them all. Yeah, played against them all. And having gone against Tony in practice on a consistent basis, he, he was the best out of all of them. And to, and there's and if there is a debate, if, if, if you had to put him in, okay, he's a tackle, Joe, Joe Jacoby's a tackle, and you could only have one, it's not even, it's not even a thought process. It's Pacelli should be in right now. I'm with you. That's why I think it goes, I think Lewis, Moss, Owens, Dawkins, and Tony, if they go like that. And if they hold out one of the receivers, then it might go Lewis, Moss, I mean, Lewis, Owens, Dawkins, Baselli, and maybe Hutchinson, because 
because Hutchinson was better than those other guys. So I think Tony's got a real shot. You know, the Edwin James running back and Brian Urlacher, Brian Urlacher was really, really good. I don't know if he was ever a Hall, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, he is. It is. You think? I, I think don't. he is. A lot of people don't. I think he is. I think so he you, is. You'd from, put him in even on this. You'd put him no, in no, with no, Ray then. No, I, I wouldn't put him in over Ray because I, I think those are. Uh, no, with Ray. I mean, okay, no, no, no. No, time. I would make him wait. <laughs> okay, he's not going in on 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 first ba- first time he's he's eligible. He's not yeah. that type of player. But Brian no. Erlacher belongs in the Hall of Fame. Correct. He'll get there, but not first ballot. No, I totally agree with you. Hey, Pete. That's why I really think this is the year for Tony. And I'm, you know, you know, you know the story, Jeff. Last year, when he was sitting in the room waiting for the call, waiting for the guy to come up and knock on his door, the maid knocked at his door. So <laughs> this week, this week, I might just find out where his room is and go knock at his door a couple different times, <laughs> or do him some room service right <laughs> in that hour window or whatever. Uh, <laughs> your crab cakes are here, sir. Uh, hey. <laughs> Hey, Pete, enjoy tonight at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul for the Super Bowl opening night, and have a great week in Minneapolis. It's been right, fun guys. doing the show this year again, man. Yeah, I had a great time, man. I love doing that show. It's nothing, there's nothing better than to, to light the spark on one uh, big offensive tackle, right? It's so easy to do. You guys know. No doubt. Uh, have a good one, <laughs> All Pete. All right, See ya. Pete Prisco, CBS Sports senior writer from Minneapolis. We'll return with... Cold place. It is. Very cold place. It's about to get colder this week as well. Thank goodness everything is indoors up there. We'll hear from Tony Baselli coming up in Minneapolis. Plenty to get to tonight. It's Jaguars Monday on Jaguars Radio. If they don't have a different mindset, then they better not show up there. You know what I mean? Because it's obviously that you got to have a... A different, a breed about yourself to even walk around in this locker room with the confidence, to, and, and, and it's the, the swagger. You know what I mean? I, I think we'll literally get you out of here if you ain't ready to be uh, a part of this. Tone Smith asked a week ago today if new players come in here, what should they expect? Jaguars Monday continues. JP Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman in tonight. We just heard from Pete Prisco in Minneapolis, and we go back to the Twin Cities and welcome in. Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist Tony Baselli. What's up, Tony? What's up, boys? How are we doing? Where are you right now? I'm at the arena where the Minnesota Wild play, whatever it's called. The XL uh, Energy Center in St. Paul. Yep, yes. yep getting ready for uh, the Patriots to show up. And uh, we interview the Patriots first, and then the Eagles come after that. And then we have a show tonight as at the media night, whatever they call that. Now, wait a minute. You're going to be doing the interviewing? Yes. Oh, that's yes. Great. What could you possibly ask these guys after last year? Yeah. Um, Give it to them. Well, ask about the game, I guess. You know, I got a list of questions. You know, I'm a professional. Go through them. Let's go that. through them right now. We'll help you. Right no, no, now. no. Wait, wait, here's the question, though. Will you get Tom Brady in an interview? No, well, there's three different people doing the interview, so I got, I'm got i assigned certain guys. So we all have guys. Who do you got? I have, uh, for sure, for the Patriots, I have James Harrison and Nate Solder possibly Trey Flowers, okay. and then uh, for the Eagles, Chris Long and Jason Kelsey. Okay, Chris Chris Long will be a great interview. Oh, he's, I had him last year. And, I actually had him and, Nate, him and Nate Solder both last year, and they were both good. Yeah. Uh, James Harrison Long, will be an interesting one. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to drop the uh, – did you quit on the Steelers question in there? But I'm not <laughs> no, starting no. there because I don't... no. Just ask him. Just ask him about that play. Say, ask him. Say, what happened 
to you on that play that Corey Grant caught that quick pass out of the backfield and you were chasing the tight end with the safety? Yeah, I probably won't do that. <laughs> well, how come you didn't come off? Isn't that combo coverage, James? Weren't you supposed to be on Corey Grant? Yeah, probably not. Because then he'll probably bring up, then he'll probably remind me that he sacked Blake Bortles when the game was in the line. That's yeah, that's true. Also true. Um, so this is a ticketed event. Like fans can come watch this. Oh yeah, it's, right? it's it's crazy. It's one of the things that I mean. Listen, disappointing for so many reasons why the Jags are here because I think they should have been. They had every opportunity to be here. But this is a this is quite an event. I mean, it's just it's nuts. There's people from everywhere, every media outlet. A lot of people who aren't even media who have probably no business being here asking questions. And then you have fans watching the whole thing. So it's uh, it's quite a setup. It's yeah, a setup crazy. that would have uh, likened very well for this Jaguars personality, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, they would have been, oh, the defense? been just uh-huh. rolling in this thing. It would have been yeah, awesome. The defense would have been uh, right at home. Mm-hmm. Mm. Unfortunate. That's okay. We'll look forward to uh, hearing your coverage a little bit later tonight. Tony, uh, did you watch the Pro Bowl? No, not one, not one snap. No, not one snap. You went to five of them. JP, did you watch it, Jeff? J, no, I didn't. <laughs> I watched a few. Snaps. JP DVR'd it. Yeah, that's what it was. I'm going to watch it later. <laughs> Break down the film, all 22 for Pro Bowl. <laughs> I did watch the skills did, competition for a little bit. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched a little bit of that. Did, did Ngakwe get a sack in that game? Almost. No, they almost. He was close. They credited it to Von Miller at the end. Oh, yeah. But I think he got I was, there. For I, I, was, I was surprised he played after being hurt and uh, uh, that he was able to play. Yeah, I'm happy for him. Yeah, but you know how that is. You know, I mean, look, you don't, you don't practice all week. You can fake it through the game in the Pro Bowl, okay? Oh, yeah. No, no, it's not physical. It's not, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him that he's able to experience that because I know it was a big deal for him. And, uh, and I know he was disappointed when he couldn't finish the game. So I'm happy for him that he was able to go do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's good. good experience for him, and you know, hopefully, he gets a taste of it and says, "You know what? I'm going to find a way to be back there next year and have a great year." You get to be around guys like Von yeah. Miller and that group. Well, look, the greatest experience days. he ever sure. had was being around Calais Campbell yes. for an entire season. I mean, that's that's the experience that you know that he has been very. He is very fortunate to have had that. A lot of guys are very fortunate to have had that to have a have a class act like that to show you how to be a pro. I mean, you can't ever have enough of those guys. You really can't. Tony, what's your uh, gut feeling so far on Super Bowl Sunday? Or have you thought about it that much yet? I haven't thought about it a lot. Obviously, I will for the rest of the week, getting ready and prepping for the game. I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, you, you know, you look at – I mean, I think we all agree that Jacksonville had every opportunity to win that game and probably should have. They make a play or two at the, uh, late. And you have the Philadelphia Eagles, who are very good defensively as well. I mean, much like the Jaguars, it's actually the number one rush defense in the entire NFL. And they're pretty good at rushing the passer themselves. And I think, you know, if you looked at the, the Eagles' offensive roster, you know, more talent and more at least more experience at the skill positions. You know, with guys like uh, Zach Ertz and you got Alshon Jeffries, uh, Aguilar, and, you, have, you know, some guys who can really play and a couple good backs. So I think they're going to challenge this. Uh, Patriot defense. I, I think it's. I think it's gonna be a back and forth, and I think it's you know a field goal game in the fourth quarter. Wow, yeah, that'd be something, man. I mean, I mean this Philly run is is pretty incredible, man. With the quarterback change and the injury to, to I, and the underdog. I think. I think. On. I think that's that Tony J or Tony and JP. But you you bring that up. 
Yeah. To think of the number of players that they have lost at key positions and to see where they are, yeah. it's unbelievable. I mean, left tackle, well, quarterback. They, they lost. They lost. They lost the arguably the best left tackle in football midway through the season, Jason and then Peter. they lost their quarterback, who was being talked about as an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable. Really is. Yeah, I, I give credit. First of all, give credit to the organization for, for two things. One, uh, the coaching staff for being able to help overcome that. Uh, number two is going back and getting a guy like Nick Foles that had worked for the organization before. And remember, he was he was not a Philadelphia Eagles guy. He was a Chip Kelly guy. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so to go back to him and to bring him back into the fold, I mean, uh, give him credit because you know what? They they kind of shunned a lot of the Chip Kelly guys at, at other positions, but he certainly didn't with Nick Foles, and he's done a great job. What was his rating in the championship game? He was like a 120, 120 was, rating. Was was I mean, good. he was really good. Yeah, really good. And well, remember that, you know, Joe, I think part of that with Nick Foles you talk about, don't forget he was with the Chiefs last year. And so – well, Doug Peterson wasn't. I mean, this is his second year as head coach of Philadelphia. He could call Andy Reid and say, you know, tell me about this guy. Mm-hmm. And he knew the system. I mean, the systems are similar. And so he, it's a great job, like you said, by that Eagles front office of getting a back of quarterback that had some familiarity with the, what they wanted to do. And, and that, <clears throat> that Doug Peterson could call and get some information about. Who, sh- who should be coach of the year? Ooh. I think it's I think it's great. First first of all, it, it would be hard to argue that anybody other than Bill Belichick should be coach of the year. Okay, okay. But so let's let's take him out. Take him out let's, of the conversation. Minnesota Vikings, man, all the quarterback changes there. Okay, they got to the championship game. I mean, the votes are already in. Before no, I know, playoffs, I know. Well, I'm, you know? I'm just I mean, I'm getting your guys' opinion. Maybe because this this is a great debate. I mean, Doug, got, Doug's got to be in there. You got Doug Marone absolutely should be in the conversation. Mike Zimmer, Minnesota Vikings, mm-hmm. should be in the conversation. Uh, who else? I would go, I would go with Mike Zimmer because he got the number one seed uh, in the NFC. Uh, in the NFC, excuse me, number two seed in the NFC, thirteen and three record with their third string quarterback. That's remarkable. And and because because of that, you could you could say the same thing about uh, what the head coach of Philly, Doug uh, Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. Doug Peterson. I mean, you could say the same sure. thing. The number of injuries that they have had with that team. I mean, that's that's yeah. a that's a great debate. Great. Uh, and debate. then the guy we forget about, who was the hot name early, was uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh. The young guy. Yeah, we're drawing yeah, what's his name? Yeah, Sean McVay. Uh, McVay. Sean McVay, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Think, yeah. So there, there's a number of guys who had great years, and Doug, um, Doug Warren's one of them. So, but I, I think it's going to be Zimmer or Peterson. Right, let me let me ask you guys another question. If you were an owner, okay, and you had an opportunity to It'd be a lot cooler if I was, but yes, okay. Go ahead. Well, I mean, it would be really cool. <laughs> but it, but if you had an opportunity to get a head coach, okay, and and you and you had an opportunity. To, you know, to get into Bill Belichick's sweepstakes, okay? How much would you be willing to pay him? Well, the rumor right now is he's getting paid like no, 12 no, no, no. to 15. I'm not, I'm not talking about what the rumor is. really knows what he's What would paid. you be willing to pay Bill oh, Belichick to be your head coach? What know. do you think he's worth? 
Tony, what would you pay him? I would pay him more than anyone else. How about that? Oh, he's yeah, he's the number one paid guy. He's got to be. He's going to have to. Well, be. we don't. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But I he's, mean, but but I mean, would you think that? I mean, as an owner, wouldn't you be willing to pay twenty five million? I mean, if you're paying uh, a starting quarterback twenty five uh, million dollars, okay, twenty five. I'm just saying. I mean, if if he he's he is arguably the greatest coach that has ever been on the field in the National Football League. Yeah. Is he not worth twenty twenty five million a year? It's worth a good chunk, at least. We'll let you think about that over the break and see if you change your answer. <laughs> we'll come back, uh, Tony. We'll uh, get into Thank the you. Pro Football Hall of Fame talk when we come back. The vote coming up Saturday. Check out Jack Hanania's Audi Jacksonville on Blanding. You can lease a beautiful new A three from just two twenty nine a month. Head over today for details. It's Jaguars Monday on Jaguars Radio. There's an understanding, you know, you understand what it takes, you know, so I think that mindset, you, you kind of already know going forward, um, but uh, it's going to be hard work, you know, and that's what got us here, you know, I mean, there's no, you know, if ands or buts about it, I mean, the hard work is what made the, made the difference, you know, uh, but uh, we know that uh, you got to start back from zero, you don't get to go back into the AFC Championship, you know, at the beginning of next year, you have to go out and earn it each and every, each and every day. Of course, is Calais Campbell, Jaguars defensive end. Jaguars Monday continues. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Tony Baselli had to leave us during the break. The New England Patriots apparently are early to media night in Minneapolis. And he has That's duties because they with love one. media night. That's right. Bill Belichick is a media darling. That's why they, they love it. That's, they, they've been looking forward to this all week long. I'm sure they have. <laughs> the highlight of, their, highlight of their week. What are you talking That's about? That's what it is. So, um, totally dig it. So Tony uh, is done with us tonight because he has duties in Minneapolis. I mean, from the sounds of Pete Prisco, though, I mean, it sounds like we're going to have a party on Saturday night for Tony in Jacksonville, right? Because that's when the voting comes through, well, Saturday afternoon. Well, I mean, you hope. I mean, you hope. You know, you love to see little Teal in Kent, you know, and uh, and there there are some guys, I think, that are, that are legitimate candidates, you know, that have played for this organization. I think Tony, I think Fred, and I think Jimmy. I think all are are you know real candidates uh, that have an opportunity, and uh, hopefully Tony gets in because you know look I, I I played you know because having played defensive end you know I played against a lot of those guys that are there, and uh, yeah I, I, the the one guy that I would put right you know right there up at the top with Tony is is John Ogden, you know that I played against mm-hmm. personally. Uh, Walter Jones, really powerful, really powerful, really good football player. Willie Rofe, you know, he really good football player. Don't, you know, don't I'm not That's trying to say it. Really good, this. really good football <laughs> player. And uh, but I, I never, you know, he's one of those guys. When you watched him on film, he's one of those guys that you never really went, oh boy. You know, when you went against Tony and you, and you went against John Ogden, you went. What can I do today? Yeah, I just don't know what what what's going to work, you know, from a pass rush standpoint, and then from a a run defense standpoint, you went, man, I got to have really good hands and and I've got to have really good feet because they're so long and they're so strong that you know. And with Tony, Tony finished guys, man, he had a, he had a nasty edge about him. Ogden would kind of you know wouldn't take you over a pile. Tony would take you over the pile and knee you on the way down. 
I mean, he, he kind of had that little bit of a, you know, rage to him at the end of a play, you know, which, which John didn't have. But, I mean, look, they're all great players. But, I mean, Tony, I just know going against Tony. And I watched him against, you know, Bruce Smith and watched him against Sean Jones and watched him against Michael McCrary. And these are all guys that, you know, that I had great respect for. I mean, great players. And watched Tony, I mean, kick their butts. I mean, I mean, thoroughly dominate them. Physically, and, just, just, you know, and, not just shut them out. Well, and the other, the other thing, too, to, to remember, you know, they had a very kind of unique blocking scheme here with, with Tony. I mean, they, they put Tony and they put Leon in one-on-one. And... Uh, and they didn't slide protect a lot, which teams in the league you hear slide protection. And slide protection, the tackle typically would have help. If the slide is coming his way, he's got inside help from the guard. If the slide is going away from him, he has the back to help him out if somebody gets free. With Mike Mazur in the early days of Tom Coughlin, there was not a lot of slide protection. They put Tony and they put Leon Searcy one-on-one against the defensive ends, and obviously Tony being on the left side had to face the best players that there is as far as pass rushers go, one-on-one, no help, period. Bruce Smith, guess what, Tony? You're going to block him one-on-one all day. Okay. Uh, I mean, that, yeah. I mean that, that's what he had to do. You know, so and that's very unique. You know, because other guys had slide protections that that were going their way, and and they didn't here, didn't do it that way. I don't know why, because they could. Well, they I mean, yeah, partially good yeah, enough. Yeah, doing part you you could, and it would it would allow you to do other things yeah. from a from a scheme standpoint. And you were, you know, supremely confident in Tony, and obviously supremely confident in Leon Searcy, who was the best right tackle in football uh, at that time. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't see you know the only thing that hurts Tony, and and it will is just the the length of time that he did it, and it's the same. That's starting to, to narrow away now. It's the because... same, well, it's the same argument that you know it was Dwight Stevenson, the center mm-hmm. for the Miami Dolphins, who Marty Lyons ended his career from with a cheap shot, and uh, same kind of thing that was you know talked about with him is that he had a short career, uh, but in that short career. He was one of the most dominant – I'm talking about Dwight Stevenson, one of the most dominant players to ever play the game, period. That good. He was so good that they wanted to target him to take him out because he was killing them. A center. You wouldn't even think about doing that with centers, right? No. But they did. Yeah. You know, and so – and look, Tony was just as dominant at that left tackle position. Marty Lyons ended his career. Alabama on Alabama crime right there, by yeah. the way. That's it, crazy. Uh, I didn't know that Wasn't story. good. Uh, Terrell Davis got in last year. That helps Tony's chances. Sure. We heard Peter King talk about uh, that on the Rich Eisen show earlier this week, that or last week, um, that that was a big help for, for Tony this year. We'll find out coming up. Hey, we're, uh, we're going to come back and get into what this Jaguars team really needs. We're going to figure it all out tonight. More winning. I, that, that I get, yes. Personnel. We're going to talk personnel. Better players. We're going to talk about some players when we come back. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. I thought you'd be more excited about that. Personnel? You're on Monday, finally. I mean, come on, Lon. Hey, look, I got all kinds of stuff for you, JP. Just bring (laughs) it, man. You make sure you bring it.
After this commercial. It's going to get brought. Yeah, you bring it. You Make sure you bring it. I'm bringing it next. Because I've got it. Jaguars Monday on Jaguars Radio. hard for me to stand up here and put a smile on my face and you know and go back and, and say this and that like I said it, it 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 does take a lot out of you you know when you fall short Doug Marone Jaguars head coach last Monday Jaguars Monday continues JP Shadrick Jeff Lagerman in tonight good to have you Logs. good to be here thanks for coming in man everybody else is in Minneapolis this week Pete Frisco wish we were yeah I wish the whole organization was that'd be awesome it'd be uh be pretty cool Next year's in Atlanta. Yeah, that'd be pretty so good. I would, I, yeah, that's we, okay. we, we could just drive, right? You could just drive. You'd hang out on the farm all week. Absolutely. <laughs> you would do it. That'd make it really good. Yeah. Um, we just heard from Doug Marone. This team fell just short. They, we've talked about the each side of the ball had things they could have done better. So that's all behind this team. Yeah, but it's not going to be behind the team. I mean, it's it, I think it's that that's that, well, it's in the past. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Because uh you'll never you'll never forget, you know, the parts of that game that uh that will haunt you, uh that will motivate you, that will drive you to get better in certain areas. I mean, that's just the, the reality. I mean, it's or drive you crazy. Depending well, yeah, on what it, you it let can, it do. you know, because yeah. I can, I can tell you, JP, you know, in ten years of playing, I can remember a handful of games, but the games that I can remember without a doubt, you know, obviously the Buffalo game, the Denver game, but I remember more significant plays from the game in New England that we lost. And when I say significant plays, significant plays that, that really hurt us in that ball game, I remember them. They're probably at the forefront of my memory more so than any other great plays. In the wins. You're talking about the, those plays in that, in that loss. Yeah, I'm, 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 talking, I'm talking about those plays I remember that yeah. cost us the game. Yeah. I remember them ahead of maybe a great play that I made, you know, and, and – Maybe the first game win of the franchise yeah, history. Yeah, in Houston, right? Yeah. Or, or something like that. I mean, sure. But those plays in New England stick to me more because it, it was our chance. I mean, it was, it was, it was right there, you know, and, uh, and it just, you know, it just slips through your fingers, you know, and, and so it's, it's, it's difficult to get over that. And I think when you're, when you're a football team, when you get a taste of that, then you get a hunger to get back to that and a hunger to get farther the next time. And, uh, and that's good, you know, because you're talking about a team that had no playoff experience that had never had a taste of the playoffs pretty much for the most part, when we're talking about the majority of the roster, not everybody, just a handful. But now that the roster has had a taste for that and they have an understanding of what it took to do that, I think, now you're talking about a team that doesn't mean it's automatically going to be back in the same position, but they know what it takes to get back into that position from a performance standpoint. And I think that helps more than anything because now that you've felt it, now that you've seen what it took, and now you can go back into the years that are, that are coming up and, and apply the same work ethic, the same standard that you had this year in the next year and the year after that to get back. Doesn't mean you're going to get back, but at least now you understand what it takes to get back because you you did it. And 
then you, when you do get the opportunity again, you want to do it complete to make that happen to where then you go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, finish the job. Next and then you got to finish it in the gotta, Super Bowl. you got to win that one next. It's a whole different animal. Yeah. Well, I, was, you, you know, I don't know if you saw, but uh, you don't have the NFL Network. How and do you know that? Because I know you're too cheap to pay for cable, <laughs> and uh, which is true. Um, I'm not too cheap. I just, you know, I cut the cord. What do you want? Well, it's the 21st just, century log. I'm just Who saying. Okay, I'm just saying uh, that you don't have the NFL Network, and Thank I do. You. And I do. You were saying more than that, but go ahead. And so, I, you know, you're watching, you know, the Super Bowl highlights. Yes. And happened to be watching one that was the Dallas Cowboys against Pittsburgh Steelers, and they had Bill Cowher mic'd up. And it was in Arizona, 30, Super Bowl 30. Yeah, wherever it was. It was in Arizona. Tempe. And uh, the Steelers fell short. Um, didn't get it done as a team. And, uh, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers had the surprise onside kick mm-hmm. that they recovered and gave them an opportunity. And, you know, their quarterback, I believe it was Neil O'Donnell, he was. had a couple costly interceptions that allowed yeah. – the uh, defensive back for the Dallas Cowboys to be the Super Bowl Darryl, MVP, uh, not Daryl, no. uh, Brown, uh, something Brown. Anyways, a safety, and uh, but you could see the disappointment, Larry Brown, Larry yeah. Brown, the, the, the disappointment in Bill Cowher's eyes, and you know after the game, he's just you know he's constantly thinking about the plays that that hurt his football team in that game, and you know, it's no different than. But obviously the magnitude is, is, is even higher than losing in an NFC title that's game right. or an AFC title game. So That's the big one. Big one. That's the big one. But uh, but those moments, though, you never forget them. Sorry to bring up old memories. No, nah, it's good. No, nah, it's all good, JP. It's all good. But here's the thing. Now you just need to get some better players at certain spots to help you over the top. Mm. And we'll talk about some of those spots when we return. Your phone calls, too. Phone lines open, 355-NFL1. The greatest needs for the Jags coming up. Experience Everbank Field in an entirely new way on a fully guided behind-the-scenes private tour. Visit Jaguars.com for more information. The second hour of Jaguars Monday after this on Jaguars Radio. Welcome back to the HenaneeAutos.com studio. Jaguars Monday continues right now. We're back, second hour, Jaguars Monday, J.P. Shadrick. Jeff Lagerman is in tonight. Tony Vaselli and Pete Prisco are in Minneapolis. Pete was with us in the first 15, 20 minutes tonight. Tony Vaselli for a short time. And Tony Vaselli's back with us now to begin hour two. That was quick with the Patriots, Tony. Man. Yeah, well, I only got that. So they changed it up on me a little bit. I, was, I ended up going first, so I did my two first and two quick interviews, and I'm back. Perfect. Back, baby. How, How'd it go? It was good. It was uh, Nate Solder was great. He's always a good interview. I did him last year. James Harrison was outstanding. Yeah, really. He was uh, really good. How old is he now? He's old. Isn't he? Thirty-nine. Tony, yeah. Tony, I don't know about you guys, but when you saw that guy on the field in Foxborough, and you've been we've been looking at him obviously for a long time. I think he's bigger than he's ever been. Jeff, I was I just in the, right next to him. Shook his hand. And he's not a tall guy. I mean, I, he's six no. foot. But in but as far as wide and thick and big old, like, mitts for hands. I mean, he is a powerful human being. Mm. He puts those videos out of him training all the time. and oh, he's, he is he's large. It's insane. I mean, he's got muscles coming out of his ears. Yeah. So did you ask yeah, him he about has mus- He has muscles that don't exist in my body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you ask him about quitting on the Steelers or no? 
No. <laughs> no. What, 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 did you ask him what, what's it like for him to be with the Patriots, though, in such a short amount I, well, of time? Yeah, I did. I asked him, I asked him more anything how gratifying it was for him. You know, here's a, so he only played 38 plays uh, for the Steelers all year. In the first game, it was either the first or second game he was with the Patriots, he played a total of 34 in one game. Wow. Um, <clears throat> and so he was a guy who wanted, he wanted to play, and that's why he was frustrated. And so I asked him, how gratifying was it to be able to get that opportunity, especially with the Patriots? And he was like, he, was like, he goes, I just wanted to play. I just wanted to, I felt like I could still play and contribute and be a part of it. And, and uh, so he was very thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting guy to, to hear when he talks. You know, he doesn't doesn't mince a whole lot of words. You know, kind of gives it to you point blank, and uh, and I appreciate that about him. Uh, Tony Nate Solder, uh, yeah. watching him over the last couple years, and, and especially watching him uh, this past week, he looks like he's almost lost weight. Uh, do you do you see the same thing? No, I, he's just a. He's still a big guy, but he's one of the um, – he's so tall, Jeff, <clears throat> that it's deceptive because he, he's so long, and, and he is a leaner offensive lineman. But, you know, you see him in person, he's still impressive and still, uh, you know, a big man. And with, I think watching him play, and he is, does a, such a good job with understanding who he's blocking <clears throat> for and using his angles yeah. really well and forcing guys to go over the top because he knows that – you know, that Tom's going to step up. I mean, so he is a really smart player. I mean, really understands what he's trying to do and uh, does a good job. Yeah, the one, the one thing, I mean, you kind of got in debate about him a couple of years ago, and I, I really thought that he was a franchise left tackle. You were kind of lukewarm, kind of still on him at that point. But, boy, I mean, if, if you don't have him, you know, because, I mean, everybody else along that Patriots offensive front has, for the most part, you know, mid to late round picks, journeyman type yeah. of guys. I mean, without that left tackle position kind of taken care of, yeah, I don't know if they could do what yeah, they do. Tom's in trouble. Yeah. yeah. No, he's a really solid player. He's consistent. You know, he's one of those guys that, you know, I think you were right. He is a franchise left tackle because he, his consistency, you know, maybe not – Maybe sometimes you don't watch and say it's like it's off the charts any one thing, but he does everything so well, and you can count on him week in and week out to do his job and be mentally sound and really kind of you know protect that blind side. So he's a very good player, and I, I agree with you. He's really a valuable piece of what they try to do on offense. Tony, have you ever got a, an opportunity to meet the offensive line coach of, of the New England Patriots, who many you know regard what? as the I best? Haven't. I've watched him obviously a lot, but I've never met him, and I'd love to. And, uh, and his name, what's, what's his name? I'm, Dante Scarnecchia. Dante Scarnecchia. Uh, and I actually had a chance to meet him uh, when we were up there back in the summertime and had, had a, I don't know, probably a 15-minute conversation with him. And, uh, you know, because he was he was retired. And yeah. Bill Belichick brought him back out of retirement to come back and coach the offensive line and obviously probably had to pay him a, a good chunk of money <laughs> to bring him out of retirement. But, you know – for for him to do what he's been able to do, because it seems like that you know I mean the, what they traded one guy away to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a few years ago, the offensive guard who was considered widely considered the yeah, best Logan, guard in football, Logan Mankins, Logan Mankins uh, and they and he's been able to do it, you know, for all these Super Bowls that they have been to, really without 
you know, the big-time, marquee, Pro Bowl type of offensive lineman. Which, you know, obviously Tom Brady makes them better, but, I mean, you got to give some credit to, to the offensive line coach because, you know, look, when they want to run it, they can run it. When they need to protect Tom Brady, they can protect Tom Brady. Well, I think what is so impressive is how few mental errors and mistakes they make. Across the and board. Well, and team, how, yeah, team. and how well – yeah, but in, I, I, offensive line stuff, you have five guys getting everyone on the same page all the time with the different – kind of the different uh, personnel groupings that you have. I mean, it's not easy. I, I think what you're saying, Jeff, so true. He does such a great job of making sure uh, that assignment-wise, scheme-wise, they do everything at, at, at an extremely high level, and that's coaching. It's the, the first offensive line I've ever seen that never gets called for holding either. It's incredible. Wow, these guys. Well, that might be Ooh. some other things going on. We won't get into that right now. <laughs> hey, we've got you for a few more minutes, Tony, but we've got to ask you while we have you about yeah. the week ahead for you. The Hall of Fame voting is coming up on Saturday throughout the day. Uh, what is your week like? Have you been on Radio Row yet, or is that coming up? And, and what kind of craziness is ahead for you in that regard? You know, I did uh, a couple serious hits today, and I'm going to have my full Radio Row day on Wednesday, starting at 9 a.m. I'll be making the rounds then to everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be crazy. It's a crazy week right now. This is the big crazy, you know, the, probably the craziest night as far as from a radio standpoint getting ready for uh the game sunday yeah but then after that it's going to be a lot of you know prepping for sunday for the game but doing all fame stuff and going through the different you know events and trying to keep my mind off it as much as possible because saturday's gonna be a long day well as much as you'd like to keep your mind off of it you know that there is going to be saturday at what time Four o'clock central, I think, or maybe five o'clock central, something like that. Okay. Four or five central is when I'll find out one way or another. There's like a window where you have to be in your room, right? Isn't that how it works? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got to be there, and uh, yeah, I got to be in my room and uh, sitting there waiting, hopefully for a uh, knock on the door. Okay. Uh, what 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 will you be doing? Who will, who will be in your room, and what will you be doing in the room, and what will you will you be drinking in your room? Um. Well, I'll be drinking water or something like that because uh, it's a long night one way or another. Uh, I'd like to be by myself, but that's not going to happen. So my wife will be there for sure. My mom's coming, and my, both my boys are going to be in town. So I might kick them all out and tell them to go wait in the lobby. And then I know PCAB and, uh, and uh, John o. Ozone are angling to be in there with the camera as well. So we'll see how, we'll see if that happens or not. Oh, you got to oh, let come that on, happen. Tony. Yeah. I will. You know I will. I'll do whatever I can to help. But, uh, I, so I gotta, I'll have to fake like I'm not nervous or something. <laughs> uh, here's the deal. You make, them a, you make them a deal. Okay? If you make it, they can use all the video they want. If you don't make it, oh, you no, can't. That, that deal will be, that will be on the table. If, if I don't make it, I will break his camera if he tries to use it. <laughs> Yeah, if the red light comes on the camera, <laughs> That's right. you're in trouble. Yeah, it's, it's a tough to get out of there. Hey, um, awesome. This is to be a fun week, man. Uh, I know you. Yeah, and a I little think bit uh, Thursday, so. Thursday night for the show. Thursday night, I'm gonna call from the. Uh, uh, we have a Hall of Fame, uh, like uh, what reception? 
Well, the finalists get together, so I'm going to call from there. Good, good. You get you. It's like a night of stories, if I remember last year correctly. Yes, exactly right. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. You should go around and like interview all of them. I'm kidding. Don't you? You don't have to go to work. We won't put you Thanks. to work. Thanks. Thank you, JP. I appreciate you letting me off the hook. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, so yeah, you got uh, you're going to be on the sidelines for the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, so I'll have a Super Bowl, and uh, <clears throat> that'll be fun. It'll be exciting. It'll be me and Ed Warder. I'll be doing uh, a little bit different this year because last year they had James Lofton on one sideline, me on the other. We kind of covered both teams individually. And uh, this year, Ed Warder is going to be doing all the injury reports and all that, and then I'm going to be a on-field analyst. No, so, cool. Yeah, be interesting. I'm not sure what that means exactly, but I'll find out. I'm sure. Well, it's just uh, <laughs> you're you're going to be like the radio version of Tony Siragusa. Yeah, I thought uh, that's why I almost didn't say it because I thought that's where you'd go with it, and uh, I appreciate that. Because because Siragusa was <laughs> that's right, and he's uh, on the sideline. Daryl, well, back when Fox had that combination, I don't think they're doing it anymore. Obviously, but no, they don't anymore. Yeah, it was Daryl Johnson, a former fullback right. of the Dallas Cowboys, and then Siragusa was the on the field analyst, you know, and so they would go back and forth, and uh, he could chime in anytime he wanted. I think you know, they obviously right. went yeah. to him. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like going to a sideline guy. I mean, it was he. No, was they went to him a lot more. Involved. Yeah, very involved. That's totally. Well, it'll be I'm looking forward to. You know, I wish. Who's calling the game for Westwood One? Uh, Kevin Harlan is the play-by-play, uh-huh. and Boomer Esiason is the analyst. Okay, but I will tell I will tell you this. You know, you get. I got away. You know, the further away you got last week from the Jags' loss, it's. I don't say. I mean, no, you forget about it, but you kind of move. You kind of move on. But there was a little bit of an opening of the wound coming here, thinking, oh, yeah. I wish we were all here together because yeah. it would be a lot more fun." Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, you, you've had some things to kind of keep you busy. Uh, we haven't, so <laughs> our wound is still open. No, but I'm, but my point is, the, the wound would be gushing if you were here. It gets yeah. worse being here because you're like, "Golly!" And the fan base still hurting, Tony. <laughs> No, I bet. Yeah. I guarantee it, man. I mean, everywhere, everywhere, you know, it seems like that I've gone. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's almost uh, people want to have a conversation yep. to mourn. No doubt. You know. Just talk through it. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah, it's all right. That's, what's, that's how it is. That's what we're for. You we're know what? The, for. Not that anyone's happy about the loss, but you know what's fun about not fun, a good thing about it is that people, it's important again. Yeah. Like, like when something hurts, you know it's important. You know, the thing you always worry about is when things become indifferent. Yeah, you know, and, and, uh, and you want passion, and I think our, we have a passionate fan base, and that's good. Yeah, and, and also I, th- I thought this year, if if there was ever a, a year, you know, <laughs> to where the, the winning yeah. needed to happen. I mean, right you, you think about this. Last winning season was what year? 07. 07, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, uh, the regime. Okay, the previous regime didn't work out. Fan apathy, probably at one of its highest levels that it's been at, right? Pretty close. And then on top of that, you add to you know what happened, you know, from a, from a cultural standpoint in the season, player protest, national anthem, the Jaguars, you know how they express themselves in London, some of the disappointment from the fans. I mean, if there was ever a year for this franchise to win, I mean, this was it. I mean, this was it. That was big, big for a lot of different reasons, and uh, the timing of it, <laughs> right? You know, you kind of like a sigh of relief. Sure. I mean, because you know it, it was due, 
but it couldn't have been better timing for what this this organization and this fan base needed after what had been going on and then what had happened this year with some of those things. So uh, definitely. And selfishly, for, and selfishly for me and you, Jeff, it's a lot more fun calling games like this we did this year than in the past. Oh, fantastic. And, and it was fantastic watching, you know, you know, Tom Coughlin come back. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, uh, I don't know what is it for me and Tony, I guess it was kind of nostalgic, you know, <clears throat> having him back and, you know, talking to him, you know, and seeing him and hearing and not him. Get, and not getting yelled at by him. Yeah. And not getting called down to his office. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> it was good. Hey, Tony, uh, have a fantastic week, and we will talk to you on Thursday night from the yeah, Hall we'll of talk Fame to you Thursday. Banquet. And, Jeff, thanks for uh, filling in for Pete and I tonight. Thanks for yeah, doing yeah, the yeah. extra duty. Yeah, well, I'm going to give you a job to fill in for me at some point in this future. <laughs> oh, I know you will, and I will do it. <laughs> thanks, Tony. See you. Tony Baselli from Minneapolis. St. Paul, in fact, XL Energy Center is the site of the Super Bowl opening night ceremony where the Patriots and the Eagles We'll meet the international media. We'll come back. Your calls, phone lines open, 355-NFL1. We've been promising for multiple segments needs for the Jags. I promise we're going to get to it when we come back. It's Jaguars Monday on Jaguars Radio. Back to the HenaniaAutos.com studio. Jaguars Monday continues right now. We're back, Jaguars Monday. JP Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman in tonight. Tony Vaselli and Pete Briscoe are in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities. Super Bowl week underway. This is the final Jaguars Monday. And then we have Jaguars Thursday. We have the Doug Marone show. And then Jaguars That's Thursday. The, 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 Thursday la- the last Doug Marone show is Thursday night. And then after this Thursday, then we will go back to our usual off-season one-hour version of Jaguars Thursday. From 6 to 7. Correct. Correct. Indeed. On 1010XL, 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com, the Jags app, and Jags social media. Yes. And uh, by the way, if I was in Minneapolis, I would definitely uh, make a trip to Manny's Steakhouse, like we talked about. We, we've last heard week. about this Manny's, but I, you know, I, I will, and I did tell you that I was going to be back to back steak nights this past weekend. How'd that go for you? Fantastic, fantastic. I, well, I wouldn't was expect awesome. any less. Well, it was awesome. Not only did I have a ribeye cap for the wife's birthday on Friday night, that was done. Uh, on uh, Lagerman's Grill, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Uh, I did. I overcooked it just a tad, just a tad, but the flavor was still incredible. But then I didn't just have a bone-in ribeye, okay? What did Doug Marone talk about having? Tomahawk, baby. I had a tomahawk really? ribeye. Yes, I did. How'd that go? Fantastic. And it was cooked absolutely perfect. I mean... You know, it's you cooking it. I mean, what, what I know. Do you want, I'm right? just, I'm I mean, just saying. And then, and here, here's the best part. Of course, it would be perfect. On Friday night, not only did I cook that ribeye cap, but yes. had some sausage that uh, uh, my father-in-law gets made in Alabama. That is unbelievable, and you guys, I think, have had it. And so, I have been eating sausage and leftover ribeye caps since then. I think I've gained like six pounds. You look like since it. Friday alone. Yeah. I was going to say something. I've got more red meat still in my body. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, if, if I did a blood test, I would 
blow up the iron test. Yeah, my, my gout would explode right now if I were having as much steak as you were. Oh, it's good stuff. Um, let's move along here to, you know, we promised the last couple segments. It needs for this Jags team. Needs. Because we talked about it, you know, we heard Telvin Smith say, hey, you know, if there's new guys coming in, they got to step up and do the certain things the right way, or they're going to get run out of this that's, locker room. That that's you know? the well, and and I think where he's talking about specifically is defense because that's his side of the ball. That's right, and uh, and and that's a that's a great thing to have because now that you've had a performance, what we're talking about when I was talking about, okay, now you had a taste of where you were at. You know what it takes to get there. You also now have set a standard on defense of where you expect to. To, to be as far as performance level. And there's going to be guys that are going to be holding that level accountable. Uh, it's Telvin Smith. It's Calais Campbell. It's Malik Jackson. It's Ngakwe. Uh, even Dante Fowler has, boy, has really sure, matured sure. In, from last year to this year. And the secondary, uh, Jalen Ramsey's got a standard. A.J. Boye's got a I mean, that that's the best part. And so even if you lose certain components – which, you know, obviously on the defensive side of the ball, the components that whose contracts are up are Aaron Colvin mm-hmm. and then Paul Puzlesny. Mm-hmm. Even if you lose those components, whoever is going to be uh, in their place still has a level of, of expectation of, of performance that they have to meet. Now, I, I believe that the team will, will still try to talk with Aaron Colvin and Paul Puzlesny both. I think... Uh, I wouldn't call them priority free agents because priority free agents means that you're willing to uh, go to the highest degree to sign a player like Malik Jackson and Clay Campbell when they obviously offer them the highest contracts. I don't think they would be willing to do that with Aaron Colvin or Paul Puzlesny, uh, either and, one. But you're yeah, going right. to try to keep them at a reasonable level. But for Aaron Colvin, and a personal view from from Aaron is, hey, I, I better go test the market and just see because no, corners the, are, are b- both of them very should. rare now, to find. Both you know? of them should, but you know, I, I think they're 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 players at kind of two different stages of their career too. You know, Paul, you know, just got his first playoff appearance ever, and he's been here for a long time. He feels a sense of ownership with yep. his franchise, uh, and uh, and look, he's kind of. I don't want to say he's at the twilight of his career because, you know, you really don't know when that is for a lot of guys. I mean, look, when, when Daryl Smith uh, was allowed to leave in free agency back in, what was it, 2012, yeah. you know, the, the comments were kind of made that, you know, well, he's kind of in the twilight of his career. Well, guess what? He wasn't. He kept on playing for a number of years and at a very high level for the Baltimore Ravens. So I, I think Paul certainly has – some some fuel left in the tank. He's an excellent linebacker, uh, two-down linebacker, then also can play three downs if you have an injury just like you did with Miles Jack that happened in the AFC title game. So, uh, and Aaron Colvin, you would like to try to bring him back. You know, but Aaron Colvin, you, you've got to get to market because here's the thing with, with Aaron Colvin, you want an opportunity to start. Outside, that's why. That's why you play. Yeah. I mean, you play. You play the game. It's like James Harrison. I mean, you you want to play the game and you want to start. And so he he's not going to have that opportunity here because AJ and and Jalen Ramsey. So and, and more than that, likely he will leave regardless of the money because he's going to want to have 
the opportunity to start. And somebody will pay him more than this team is willing to pay him because he's going to have that opportunity. And how many opportunities do you get to go to the open market in your lifetime? When you're playing at a high level and well, look, well enough I mean, to be a starter, you know, that's a thing. rare opportunity. He better take advantage it, of it, right? The average career length of an NFL player is like three and a half years. So, I mean, you know, for guys to get to where he's at, which is the, you know, his first free agent contract, is fantastic. Some guys have the good fortune to be able to get to two if they're lucky. I mean, most of them. Most of them don't get past that. You know, so, I mean, this is his opportunity, and, and, and he absolutely should – should seize the opportunity if that's what he wants, which is to play, which that's what guys play the game for, to play, and then he's got to test the market. And he's going to obviously make more money because if he's going to be given that opportunity, the money for a, a, a guy that's going to compete for a starting job is going to be better than for a guy that's going to be here as solely a nickel and then a backup to A.J. and Jalen Ramsey. So this team, without question, needs to look in free agency at potential replacements. And then they also, I expect them to look very hard at the cornerback position in the draft. Because uh, besides Jalen Ramsey, you really haven't done a very good job drafting corners here. Yeah, over the years. I mean, Aaron Colvin, yes. Okay, but he's been a nickel. Yeah, he's been, been he was banged up early. They, yeah. they took a chance on him, and yeah, you haven't drafted a starter. Jalen Ramsey is the only starter that you drafted, and, you, and obviously he was a top five pick. I don't remember exactly what overall pick he was, but it was somewhere right in mm-hmm. there. You know, so you need to try to continue to find cornerbacks because you know what I mean. That's, I mean, if you think about it, offensive linemen you usually have eight on your active roster. Uh, defensive backs, eight. Ballpark. I mean, so it's, it's the second uh, position group that you have. In terms of numbers, right. In terms of yeah. numbers. But, mm-hmm. he, but here's the other thing. If you looked at it strictly as far as, like, positions, there's more cornerbacks on your roster than any other position on your team. Okay? Because, you know, offensive linemen, I'm breaking them down as center guards, combinations, and then you have tackles. It's two different position groups, really, along the offensive line. So you've got outside corners, you got the nickel corners. Yeah, but I mean, that's, all it's, corners. it's all corners. I mean, nickelbacks are corners, corners are corners, and I mean, safety's for the most part nickel, corners. Whatever, right. Peyton Thompson is obviously the exception. He can play corner, he can play safety, which, uh, and he's a very good special teams player. He's, he's got value for this football team, but you, you've got to find – some talent at the corner position because I I don't you know know if once you get past Aaron Colvin how comfortable they would be if they would have had to play without those three top guys hmm. offensive line where would you start on the offensive line and where where could they upgrade well at least position wise I mean. You always want to upgrade from within, and when I say from within, just to develop the guys that you have and, and, and get the guys that you have playing at a higher level. I thought that they did that with A.J. Can. Okay, you thought he had a better end I of the I thought season. he had a, had a much better year than he had the last two. And in fact, the last two years, I would say, you know, he was borderline, you want to get him out of here and find somebody else. Really? And I thought this year, a capable starter level, he played at. Um, and obviously a lot of credit goes to the offensive line coach, Pat Flaherty, who's uh, done a great job uh, in his career with offensive linemen. I thought Patrick Omami, they got him to play at the best level he's ever played at. Jeremy Parnell, the best level he's ever played at. Brandon Linder, 
I think at times he played at the best level that he's ever played at, but I thought down the stretch he was playing at the best level he's ever played at. So we're talking four guys, four out of the five, that have played at the best level they've ever played at. That's a tribute to the offensive line coach, Pat Flaherty, who did a great job. Cam Robinson, now I don't put him in there because, you know what, he's never played. It's his first year. It's his first year with the Jaguars, but for him to – Compete at the level that he did, battling for through the some year, injury stuff, battling right. through the injuries, the toughness, the level that he was able to block in the running game. I thought was uh, outstanding. He's a guy that I think I put in that category of he needs to get better. He needs to get stronger. His footwork needs to get better. He become needs to become more of the student of the game. Quite honestly, he needs to spend some time in the off season with Tony Baselli and and Coach Flattery to work on some techniques and some footwork issues that I think crop up with him at times. And he can take another big step. You know, a, he can take a big step. He can be a, a, a very good left tackle in this league. Is some of those positions you said played at the best level they've ever played at, is that good enough? Depending on what's We're available not, well, out there, you know? Here, here's the thing, JP. You don't care if it's good enough because – you always want to take the attitude that it's never good enough and that you always want to find guys that can be better than what that level is, which was their best level yet ever. And you're, you're trying to create competition. Yeah. And competition amongst with, with new people and then competition with the current guys that you have. You know, so – uh, this team needs to take a strong look in free agency. This team should always take a look at drafting offensive linemen. You have to draft and develop offensive linemen. I think Chris Reed is a guy that can continue to develop and then can okay. compete uh, for playing time wherever that may be. Uh, but you know, credit to Patrick Omami. I thought he he really had a strong year. Uh, finished well, aggressive, kind of had a little nastiness to him. You know, and and it's hard not to to give a lot of credit to the offensive line. I mean, because it's, I mean, the stats are very obvious. You know, number one in the league in rushing offense, mm-hmm. uh, franchise record low of sacks allowed. What was it, twenty four total yeah, on the season? Right. Yeah, I mean, a, a tremendous job. You know, and and obviously Blake has a lot to do with that too because he kind of gets out of certain situations. But there was that feeling. The other side of this, there was a feeling. Uh, second half of the season, a lot of times where they didn't have, they didn't feel like the number one rushing team. Well, I, and I, I think that's is that doing a large back? part. Is it the, that's the Fournette. defense. Is yeah, it no, Fournette? That's, that's Fournette. You know, so, I mean, it's not all on him um, because you kind of hit a little bit of a dead spot. You know, where Jeremy Parnell, when he came back from an injury, he wasn't playing at the level that he was at. He got back to that level in the playoffs, yeah. uh, but he was down a little bit. Uh, Linder missed time. And then it took him a little bit of time to kind of get back into the groove. And then Patrick Omame got hurt. Okay, He was out of the lineup for a bit. Chris Reed goes in, plays really well against Cleveland, and then kind of takes a couple steps back in the next couple games that he's played. Omame comes back into the lineup. He's not playing at what the level that he was at. He eventually works his way back. You know, a left tackle, Cam Robinson, gets his ankle nicked. Okay, his level drops a little bit. And then eventually he starts climbing back. So they all started kind of climbing back at the end. And so I think that, you know, a lot of that is they weren't playing at the top level. But then also 
Fournette was banged up. He's not at that level. And then I think down the stretch, the last couple, you know, the last, in the playoff games and then uh, at the end of the season, if you wanted to look at the lack of rushing yards, I think the last couple games of the season in the playoffs, if, there, if the numbers weren't where you wanted it to be, you could look at Fournette and say he wasn't running well because he's not healthy. And, and I think you're also going to have to be looking at all, all running back. Because you have the feeling Ivory's not going to be back. Early. Well, I mean, you know, look, uh, you know, Ivory's got a, a number that uh, you probably can't or won't justify. Uh, Especially when he didn't dress to get a jersey in the last half have, of the season. You know? And then he's inactive, you know, a couple times. Right. And, uh, you know, look, anytime you can find, you know, a young player in the draft, you want to be able to do that. You know, and, and it would be great to be able to find a guy. And, he, and here's the other thing. you got to find a role, you know, like you did – Against the Patriots for Corey Grant going forward. That's your guy, man. You got to find. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at I me. Mean, so you're the Jadon Mickens fan club president. Yeah. Are you the Corey Grant? I well, mean, no, I where can't, do you I rank can't claim. Well, I mean, I, I anointed him the Colt killer. You did. Um, you did. I remember that. But uh, yeah, I, I can I can head up so both. I mean, yeah, I, I can allowed? I can handle both. Okay. Well, I, but I think Paselli ought, ought to do that. Are you still on that hill for Jadon Mickens? Because the end of the season yeah. go as well as you no, know, I the best he, punt return of all time in the history of football should do. Right? Well, I didn't say he was the best of all time. I said in Jack's history. I said in, in the Jaguars history he's had the best season of punt return that's ever been right. seen. And uh, I'm not going to back off from that. I think he's going to come back and he's going to he's going to be strong again. But I, I think agree. I think some of his confidence was shaken. Sure. Uh, at the end, which you know those return return guys, I mean, confidence is everything. I think he'll be back and he'll be fine. And uh, but but you know for Corey Grant, yeah. I, I mean to see what he was able to do in the AFC title game, it just made you go, you know, where was that at? You know, why couldn't you find a role for him? You know, in the regular season, um, why couldn't you find more plays for him in that AFC title Second game? Half somewhere, it'll be nice. And uh, why didn't you run? You know, maybe a couple more of the same plays. You know, uh, they ran the one play where it was kind of like a quick screen, and he had Mercedes and Marquise out leading away on a, on on a, like a quick screen where they blocked for, in front of of him. They ran that twice. Both of them worked like twenty yard gains, and then they never went back to it again. Uh, the other one was like where he ran out of the backfield into the flat and caught the ball, and that's where we were joking with Baselli about James Harrison. Why didn't he cover Corey Grant out of the backfield? Uh, they never tried that play again. Uh, you know, so would have liked to have seen a little bit more of him. Would have liked to have seen the offense be a little bit more aggressive in the second half or at the end of the first half. You know, but those are the things that you talk about. You know that look, if you don't have any regret after you lose. You're a moron. In the wrong place. You're a moron. I mean, come on, of yeah. course. So. Hey, we'll come back uh, with more. A lot of quarterback experts these days. Started off the show tonight with that. Are you one of them? No, I am not. Are, are you, you sure? Are you one of them? No, I am not. We'll discuss that when we return. Check out Jack Adania's Audi Jacksonville and Blanding. You can lease a beautiful new A3 from just $2.29 a month. Head over today for details. It's Jaguars Monday on Jaguars Radio. Back to the HenaniaAutos.com studio. Jaguars Monday continues right now. We're back. Jaguars Monday. JP Shadrick. Jeff Lagerman in the building tonight. Yeah, it's kind of weird, like on a Monday, right? Should be. Need a raise. Let's see. 
It's uh, 7.37 right now. You'd be getting off the air right Okay, now. I should be sitting with Casey at the bar at Mellow Mushroom, and Ty, the bartender, has just poured me one of my favorite beers that they have over there at Mellow Mushroom, and I don't know what it is because Ty just knows what it is, and he pours it and puts it down in front of me. Mm. And, uh, it's nice that, to be a star. That's where yeah. I, what I should be doing right now on a Monday night. That turned out great this year, by the way. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Uh, I will say that the all-access show on Monday nights is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Clay's, Clay's Campbell was was awesome. Uh, great to work with. Uh, great, great personality. Total pro. You know, when he had, uh, you know, certain, you know, obviously responsibilities with the TV show. And you know, in whether win or lose, he was he was fantastic, and uh, and did a great job of interacting with the players that we had. And you, you could just tell that, you know, when he interacts with the players, the players have a lot of respect for him. And uh, and you can feel it. You can see it. And uh, and it was great to see because, you know, you're talking – it's not very often that you have a guy that rolls up in here in free agency. <laughs> and Because, you know, typically – like I'll give you an example. Malik Jackson came in here last year, okay. Guys liked that they got him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Malik was kind of, I don't want to say taking a back seat, but he didn't command the room. This year, he's one of the guys, right? But when Kalea signed, he eventually got to the point where he commanded the room. It didn't take long either. No, it didn't. No, but no. but it takes time. Yeah, I mean, it takes time. And here's what, what you have to have in free agency. You know, when, when when the player walks in the door, the level of performance has to be at a certain point. Otherwise, there is no leadership role. All the talk you would do doesn't matter. matter. Right. Doesn't matter. That's right. I mean, you know, leadership in the NFL starts with performance, and he was able to provide that obviously in a in a very large fashion out the gate mm-hmm. in Houston. And uh, but you can just you could just tell. I mean, guys not only listen to him when he talks about football, but they talk. Uh, when they talk, when he talks to them, they listen. When he talks, also about things that aren't related to football, and uh, and that's uh, when you know your general manager Dave Caldwell and executive vice president of football operations Tom Coughlin, head coach Doug Marone, you sit there and go, boy, we really hit that one it's out of the park, right? Oh, did we happens. ever get a good one on that one? But it, it always goes back to. How did the guy get away in free agency? I know well, it was a money. different setup well, it's money, money and money, all it's, that. It's money. Arizona, but it's money. You know, Arizona, wow. you know, the Bidwells weren't willing to pay that kind of money, yeah. you know, and the Jaguars were. Um, and that's why, Aaron Colvin, why you get the free agency. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody's going to be willing to give you something uh, that somebody else may not. And the only way that you know what that is is to get the free agency. No offense to your free agency class in Jacksonville, but is this the best free agency class this team has ever had? With Boye and Church and Calais. It's two all pros. Out of oh, three. oh, there's no doubt. It's got to be. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I don't I don't see, you know, be, and the big reason why, and it's very obvious, you go from three wins to ten wins. I mean, need, need you say yeah, more? good point. I mean. AFC Championship game. Whole yeah. Thing. Yeah. I mean, e- easy argument right yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, that's. You know, and uh, and there's been some good free agent classes. I mean, you know, Leon Searcy, Keenan McCardell. Um, you know, our free agency class. I mean, you know, 
in '95 wasn't that great. I don't think. I mean, some solid players in that, but but not not greatness. But I mean, Keenan and and Leon Searcy. I mean, you're talking about greatness mm-hmm. right there. Uh, you're talking about greatness with Calais and and AJ Boye. I mean, AJ Boye to 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 have arguably the best statistical year that a cornerback has ever had, because you know. Pro Football Focus, which you guys talk about on Monday night. Yes, we do. We can talk about it, right? It's Monday night. Let's go. He nearly had the highest rated year ever for a corner. It's remarkable. Ever. It really is. Yep. Okay. And he's opposite Ramsey. Since Pro Football Focus has been doing business, Mm -hmm. which which is a very long time. I mean, I think – because for a while there, he was the opposer quarterback rating was somewhere in the in the high twenty nine. So it was like twenty nine point eight. Unheard of. Uh, I think at some point, um, and it is... ended up being at like thirty thirty something or whatever it was. Uh, but I mean, what a tremendous job! And and you know, to have a guy, you know, that first of all, you 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 kind of had an idea that an AJ Boye would be you know the ultimate pro to where he comes in and he's not satisfied that he just got a big contract. Why? It was undrafted. Yeah. I mean, undrafted guys understand what it's like to have to work. Uh, so credit to him uh, for for getting to the point where he was at, but then also credit to him because, you know, from talking to everybody that, that works with him, coaches him, et cetera, they say and constantly talk about how much of a student of the game that he is. And, and I asked a lot of those questions about him because, you know, early on you would start to watch the film of him and he's starting to turn before the wide receiver turns when he's in man coverage. And you go, well, what is he well, doing? How do you do that? Well, yeah, that he knows. Right. You watch. Know, he, he knows. And as defensive backs, you know, you get route concepts. Okay. When you see, you know, this underneath route, then, you know, the, the route that you're going to see as a cornerback at the second level will be this, you know. So you can kind of get an idea of where it's going to go. We had him on during the summertime. I forget what show it was for something. And – it was one of the first times we kind of talked to him, and it was after rookie minicamp, and it was coming up on camp. Training camp was coming up. Or OTA. Something was coming up where the, the vets and the rookies were all together. I think it was OTAs. And I said, hey, you know, he, he was talking about watching film. I'm like, so how much film do you watch? What are you watching right now? He's like, well, I was watching rookie minicamp the other day to see if I could steal something out here in the next couple of weeks on these guys. So he's watching the rookie minicamp tape. From the 50 guys who come in here, you know, you 10 of them are your guys. You bring in tryout guys just to see if he could steal something in OTAs or training camp from a rookie That's wide right. receiver. I mean, it's remarkable. That's when it hit me. This guy's a different level. Well, know? and I think the, the good thing is is you kind of got you got a little bit of a competition between AJ and Jalen. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, and you don't feel it on the outside. You know, and you didn't feel it when Jimmy Smith and and Keenan McCardell, you know, were were quietly competing. But trust me, there was a competition there. Sure. Okay, and trust me, there's a little competition between A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey, okay, Uh, whether whether they would admit it or not. I think they would. I think they have. Well, there's competition there. Yeah. Okay, and that's, that's a good thing. Really good thing because it's competition that's created, okay, without having competition for playing time. You know what I mean? That's right. And that's what drives people to be their best when they want to outcompete everybody. 
And these two guys are, are man, they're driven. They're all love, pros. Love it. To prove it, love too. It. Hey, uh, hey. Bugs. Before we take yeah. a break, yes, because are we we're getting ready? We're about to, take a break? to, yeah, we're about to. What's what's, up? what's the rumor about new uniforms? Is that real? I don't know. Maybe you can tell us when we come back. I, I, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I think so. I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything in the building, but I haven't okay. been in the building. Though. Okay, so I don't know. We'll come back and go around the National Football League. Final moments of Jaguars Monday. After this on Jaguars Radio. Welcome back to the HenaniaAutos.com studio. Jaguars Monday continues right now. Final moments, Jaguars Monday, J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, yeah, and truly the final moments because this is the last show of the season. Pete Prisco, Tony Vaselli are in the Twin Cities for Super Bowl coverage. Jeff Lagerman, kind enough to sit in tonight. Thanks for being here, bud. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I've always wanted to be a part of Monday, and I actually uh, can now say that I have done that. Can I add that to your resume? That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. that's good. It's a resume builder. Yeah, look, I, you look. Tony's big time. Okay, and and it's, and it's a big week for him, and I and I really do hope that he gets uh, in in the Hall of Fame. It would be, it would be not only a great honor for him, uh, but it would also be a, a great honor for this franchise and the city to have its first Hall of Fame player. Oh, huge! It would be a big deal, and it's it would be well deserved. Uh, Prisco is he's just another one of the media guys. He's you know he is of no importance this week and in the Super Bowl coverage. Really? So we, I'm just saying that just so <laughs> Joe can record it and play it back for Pete at some point. <laughs> it's it's going to happen uh, soon. Nah, Pete's good stuff, man. I'm going to tell you now. I, I will say this. On my way to Mellow Mushroom mm-hmm. and on my way home from Mellow Mushroom, I always listen to you guys. I do. I try to hit the truck uh, at right at 6 o'clock. Tune you guys in, uh, listen to you guys till about six thirty-five, and then I got I got to go. Got to make the donuts. Mm-hmm, sure. You know, we knock yeah. out a TV show, hang around for a little bit afterward with Casey and Ty at the bar, and then back in the truck and uh, drive home to catch the last, you know, twenty minutes of the show when you guys bounce around the league and and do all that kind of stuff. And I love it. I love y'all show. I, I don't love it when. When Baselli berates Pete uh, too much, or you, yeah, yeah, me, namely, thank you. Yeah, but you I mean, know, he can berate Pete it, all he wants. It's funny listening to them two go back and forth. It though. is, it is. It's, it's like comical. It's like you know, Curly and Mo and Larry, the Three Stooges. Think, yes, yeah, what, I've, I've heard of. Trying them. to think of who you would be. The, I'd be the bald guy. Baselli would be the guy with the black bowl cut haircut. Mo, Mo, that's Mo. Okay, Baselli would be Mo. Mo is Bo. Um, curly was the bald fat. You're the guy with the curly hair. Larry. Larry. You're Larry. Why am I Larry? Because you're Larry. Okay, and Pete is the other guy. Uh, Mo? Curly. I mean, Curly. Curly or Shemp? Pete would, no, he would be Curly. <laughs> Pete would be Curly. <laughs> Shemp. I'm That's telling right. you, I man. forgot about him. You guys are the three students. See, now, you, you know how, Loggy, you know how you called. Um, Corey Grant, the, the cold killer, yeah. and you have your your fan club that you're the president of. Uh-huh. Pete is definitely the president of the Tony Baselli fan club. There's no question, I, and I'll be the vice president because uh, I mean, if I could toot his horn anymore, and I always do it when he's not around. 
you know, obviously, because uh, his head can't handle it. Okay, if I'm doing it when he's here in the studio, because he would, it would be like Pinocchio. He wouldn't Pinocchio's be able to walk out the door. Grows, yeah. Baselli's head would grow. Uh, but he is. I mean, he's, you know, and I, and I, and I take pride in the fact of, of where he is, you know, because look, I, I, you know, because I was a veteran when he came in, you know, and so I took pride in, in helping raise him in the National Football League, showing him the ropes, blowing his knee out his rookie year. No, right. a joke about that, but I mean, I did. Uh, but, but I mean, <laughs> and teaching him how to be a pro, you know, sure. and, and uh you know but he was he was also very unique in that he was he was a very natural strong leader on offense and uh, mark was more of the quiet kind of reserved leader uh whereas tony was the outspoken uh, uh brash leader and because mark was more of a softer kind of a uh, of an edge to him those two worked perfectly together on offense because it was just a great mix. And then obviously, you know, we had a lot of other leaders on that football team, but, uh, you know, from, from Keenan McCardell, who was a phenomenal leader, Leon Searcy uh, was a quiet leader. I mean, leader by the way he played, the way that he, how he practiced. I mean, but I mean, look, I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Tony Baselli club and of, of him. And I hope that he gets in because uh, well-deserved, well-deserved. It'd be a hell of a party in Canton for told, a Hall of Fame game. I taught week, him how that. to hide his hands in pass protection. Nice. I can tell you that. Well done. Wait, great job on that, Locks. Hey, uh, before we get around the league, uh, you teased before the break uh, some helmet, uniform, something. Yeah, I some tweets I this week it, about I've, it. I Mark heard. Long Look, I'm not it. saying I heard it around here because I haven't been around here, right. which around here is in the stadium. But, I mean, I heard somebody talking about it on the radio that the Jaguars could be getting new uniforms. Mark Long had a tweet from the Pro Bowl this week with a photo of the Jags helmet. Say goodbye to this. The Pro Bowl will be the final game in the two-tone helmet. So uh, that's, that's, take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Well, so what does it mean? Okay, so does that mean, okay, the two-tone is gone. So if the two-tone goes away, what color would remain? Would it be the, the black, the flat black, or would it be the the gold? The gold. What do you think? Oh, I'd go black. You go black? Oh yeah, and, but shiny black. No, not, no, no. Not, not flat. I know flat black is in. I get it. You know, no. I'd go flat black. Joe would go kind of the gloss black with the teal, sparkly, reflective thing. We did right? that in 2011, I think. I think so. How about a teal helmet with the logo one with the uh, cat aggressive. head? On. Uh, that's aggressive. Too much. Too yeah, aggressive. too bright for you. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be too much. Um, Something to think about. Not that you know. Yeah, look, I still believe. I still believe this. Okay, me and Joe years ago, what four, four, four or five years ago, we talked. Oh about yeah, I know what you're going to say. The alternative uniforms should be navy digital camo. Yep. Still believe that. Yeah, the blue camo. That'd be and, awesome. And that is blue, by the way, JP. Yeah, I know we've had a conversation because off we, air we, about we, what blue is. We've been having a debate on what is black and what is blue. And you know well, what the other jersey could be? White with blue digital numbers. Blue digital numbers. Well, then you couldn't see them. Yeah, no, you know, I could, uh, you I could see, see them. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The camo numbers. Yeah, I, I could see that. On a that. white shirt, you could yeah, see them. I could see that. Anyway, with the, so 
who knows? The next uh, few weeks, months, uh, you could be hearing stuff from uh, the Jags on. No, nah, it's good. Keep it fresh. Yeah, why not? Keep it fresh. I still believe Navy, Navy digital camo as an alternative uniform would be way cool. It would. I agree. Let's go around the National Football League. Let's do it. Pro Bowl ratings are up, Logs, from 4.6 last year to 5.9 this year. That's a 28% spike. But there's two networks. Yeah, ABC, ESPN. Combined broadcast. It's been on ESPN for the last, what, four or five years, whatever it's been. And uh, because they put it on both networks, it, uh, the ratings, the combined ratings, give it a higher number. You know, um, not big news there. It's it's good news just from the standpoint of at least people are watching. But he, here's the question I would have. What the hell else are you going to watch? Okay. <laughs> if you turned your TV on yesterday, what are you going to watch besides that? Didn't the NHL have their all-star game Like yesterday? I said. Okay. What okay, else are you going to watch? It was golf. I'm a hockey fan. Okay. Antiques Roadshow is on, on public TV. Check that out. Yeah. 7.1. Yeah. yeah. There's not a whole lot to watch, you know? <laughs> I mean, in fact, I mean, it would be a, would have been a great weekend for some sporting event to dominate the ratings on Sunday afternoon with the NFL not having anything going on. Was there golf on? Yes. They were at Torrey Pines. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the Olympics are coming up in the next couple of weeks, right? So Winter Olympics will be around the corner. Yeah, there you go. You know, what's your favorite Winter Olympic sport? Before we move on, uh, my favorite Winter Olympic sport, women's curling. That's mine. I don't know if I've got one. I, you know, you know what I do like. I do, I do like the downhill skiing, and then I also like as opposed to the uphill skiing. Yeah, because that's hard. That's the, really hard. The, the and then the I like the luge and then the bobsled. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have the ice skating. Of all kinds, you can have all that. What else do I like? So I like the curling because you can drink beer and curl at the same time. Well, you're, like actually, you're actually doing it at the same time, JP. You right. can't do both of them at the same time. You're doing them both simultaneously. Right. Okay. Uh, let's continue around the National Football League. The Broncos are now looking to trade cornerback Akib Talib. He's due to make $11 bucks next year. He turns 32 next month. Would you dare? Here? Yeah. No, I mean you've already got enough money tied up at the cornerback position. I, I, you know, um, if I was another team that didn't have you know the the kind of money that the Jaguars have paid AJ Boye and are going to be paying Jalen Ramsey, yeah. But you know, AJ Boye got a lot of money in free agency. You're going to be paying Jalen Ramsey a lot of money when he gets to free agency. Mm-hmm. But but here's how you would kind of disrupt a little locker room rhythm. You'd be paying AJ. You would have if you brought in okay, a keep. Right. Okay, he comes in. He's making how much? He's due to make eleven. But okay, yeah. Okay, let's say you bring him in eleven. AJ's making fourteen, fifteen, whatever it is. Fifteen, right? whatever it is. Okay, and Jalen Ramsey is still on a rookie contract. Mm. You think Jalen would like having two guys? Okay, that are. Making that much more money than Probably him? Not, no. Probably not. Probably not. So it might be a good idea. Sorry. Pass. Uh, quick final thought. On Monday, who's winning the Super Bowl? We'll ask you again Thursday. Today? Yeah. Patriots. 
I'm going Eagles. But I may change my mind on Thursday. We've got a few days to figure it out. Max Hollywood Hockman, Joe Fortunato. Logs, good to see you on a Monday. Always good to be seen. For our entire crew, I'm J.P. Shadrick. And that's it. Thanks for listening all season to Jaguars Monday on Jaguars Radio.